Welcome back to the MBH Podcast, Money Buys Happiness, Season 5. First off, shout out everybody for liking, subscribing. Keep, keep fucking subscribing, please. We need more subscribers, yep. dude. You, we're, we're getting like a thousand views, and we still can't get a thousand subscribers, bro. <laughs> Figure it out, okay? Anyways, before I go too crazy, yes, amazing guest today, Matty Unique. What's up, bro? How are you? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No, we appreciate you coming out, man. It's, uh, dude, you got a fucking very impressive... Uh, career resume whatever you want to call this but before we get into it uh for anyone who's listening or watching that doesn't know you maybe just a little intro on yourself who you are what you do all uh, the fun stuff my name is maddie unique i'm in hospitality in the city of toronto and uh been doing this for about almost 20 years and uh basically we run a company called honey Ho- honeycomb hospitality and we own and operate a bunch of venues such as myth borrow petty cash dasha mr wolf and recently at hotel x so the pretty best much, ones. I was say, so pretty much the best, the best places on King Street. <laughs> they're 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 fun. You know, there's a lot of great, good restaurants, and you know, Toronto's got an amazing. Um, I would say it's one, probably one of the most underrated cities when it comes to nightlife and True. hospitality with restaurants and nightclubs. Like, we're up there, man. If if you haven't been to Toronto, you got to come up and see it. Um, you won't be disappointed. It, it's a lot of fun here, yeah. and I think we're a little bit spoiled because we get to do the same shit every single week <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, on repeat. <laughs> so it's like it gets a little old sometimes. But yeah. you know, a lot of my friends that come up here and they're like, "Holy shit, this is Toronto." Yeah, these are the restaurants you have. Mm-hmm. These are the yeah. chefs. These are the girls. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's the same like, talk. We're coming yeah. back with ton of friends. So, so you, it's cool. you started twenty years ago. Yeah, I went to uh, University of Western. Okay. <clears throat> um, you know, didn't know what I was gonna do, but I got in. I squeaked okay. in uh, <laughs> just just the last second, and uh, you know, through some of those those summer school summer school courses that yeah. they just give away good of marks. Course. But um, I was in my second year, and we were going out all the time, and uh, you know, I had a lot of friends. I always I was a socialite uh, at my schools, and you know, being on hockey teams and playing sports, and just being around my friends all the time. Uh, we always used to go out in big groups, and <clears throat> we waited in lines at like seven o'clock in the snow. Like yeah. on a Tuesday yeah. or Thursday or Wednesday, whatever it was, at like eight o'clock, and I was like, "This is insanity! Like, what yeah. are we doing here? Like, why are we all? Why is the whole school waiting to go to one bar yeah. and that no one's gonna get into at eight o'clock, or we're all gonna get kicked out of eventually <laughs> by by ten thirty? By ten thirty, yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, this one night we had a bunch of birthdays together and a bunch of people, and uh, you know we tried to get in and it didn't work, so we just walked down the street to this other bar- place called Barking Frog, and it was empty, dead on a Wednesday. And, um, you know, we walked in and we had a big group, probably 80 to 100 of us between a couple of different birthdays and friends that were nice. there. And the manager, uh, Adam Shea, uh, came up and talked to me and he's like, hey, man, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, these are my friends. We're hanging out. I told him to come here because we were sick and tired of going to those places or waiting these lines. Like, listen, if you ever want to come back and bring your friends, let me know. We'll, we'll take care of you. Yeah. So shout out to Adam Shea. He's the first guy that got me in the door to uh, start promoting. Amazing. And, you know, from there, I teamed up with a couple of friends, uh, one girl in a sorority, one girl on the football team. And I'm like, hey, guys, we should <laughs> throw some one off, like, you know, parties for yeah. our friends and invite you invite the jocks, you invite the girls yeah. and I'll invite the people that I know. And we all throw a party. And that's kind of it all came together. And um, I'd say about two, three months later, we were doing 800 people a night at wow. that Wednesday night, you know, five dollar cover. Damn. And they gave us the door and. I started going home with these like envelopes being like, holy shit. <laughs> they were loving I, you. They were fucking yeah, loving I was you. Like, holy shit, what am I doing at school? <laughs> um, so, you know, it became fun. My parents were in hospitality just before I went to uh, university. They owned a restaurant. Um, it was on Danforth, Greektown, and my dad was kind of an investor in it. And so I kind of understood and, and, and knew what they were doing <clears throat> in terms of, you know, being part of a 
the nightlife and I would go to the restaurants with them and eat and hang yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and then when I was go on my way to university, they bought a spot on Pearl Street, my dad did, called uh, 11th Hour. Okay. And uh, he opened that and it was, you know, it was fun. It was a cool spot and it did okay. But as I got into my second year, I was doing really, really well uh, promoting. And I told them like these university bars are crushing it. And back then they didn't really have that downtown. Yeah. yeah. You know, everything was like, you know, lot three, three, two, the clubs, yeah. you're going to mm-hmm. go, the, go to like the uh, Saturday night, you're going to go to money. You're going to go to the mall. You're going to go to Clamonico, get a yeah. nice fresh yeah. dress yeah. shirt, get yeah. nice pants, look good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're going to go in and you're going to try to pick up chicks at the bar. There was no yeah. bottle service. You know, go to the bar, you buy That's 40 crazy. shots of Amaretto. Amaretto. And you just sit there and you just have 40 to 80 shots. And you're looking around the girls would come by, you give them a shot. And yeah. Yeah. just times were different back then. Of course. But this university bar thing was kind of new for downtown Toronto and there wasn't much of it. And, uh, I was I knew I was good at it. So when his place after a year or two uh, wasn't doing as well as they thought it'd do, I told him like, you know, switch it over and when I come back in the summers and I'll build this out and we'll we'll kill it. So <clears throat> in my third year he did that and my uh that summer we opened it up. It was called Piccadilly Circus. Nice. And it was this crazy, crazy university bar. And, you know, the shit we did back then, I, I <laughs> would probably should be shut down now <laughs> with everything that uh, goes on. But, you know, we did the old dancing on the bars and throw T-shirts, the yeah. wet T-shirt contests and That's all these wild things That's back in amazing. the day um, to just have creative ideas. We even did this one time. It's a really good story. <laughs> is um madonna was in town and wow. she was dating that guy guy richie at the okay. time or married yeah, yeah. to him yeah, yeah. And the place is called piccadilly circus right so we uh <laughs> we pretended that madonna madonna was coming to piccadilly's because <laughs> piccadilly circus was like an english, english name from yeah, yeah. english from england yeah so i was like yeah she's gonna come there we started promoting it like special guest tonight and there's just like a, like blonde hair like you know like her hair with there with yeah. like a shadow and like question marks you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. the flyer <laughs> of course, back of course, yeah. teaser <laughs> teaser so we called up a bunch of friends like uh from <laughs> from the police station and we said hey guys we need you to like escort some suvs we just wanted to make a little bit of a show out front like Car, cop cars and SUVs pull up and like people see no mic she maybe come in and um, so it's like nine o'clock line up down the street you've got a thousand people and we get the cops cars there the horses show up too I don't know it all came together for some <laughs> oh, reason yeah. like yo what do you guys do we told me like, hey we've got to pretend something's happening here to like pump up this this night so it gets yeah. like a little bit of hype yeah yeah and so we get these cars and cl- horses and cars and SUVs to pull up and then we get a Madonna to come through the the back door there and everyone's going nuts flashing yeah, for the yeah. presses there and we put her up in the back corner and um you know finally we put it on the thing that she's going to do a song and everyone Stop. came out oh my god and it was an impersonator madonna <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so how was the reaction oh, after dude, that people nuts. they were they so the mad i've never seen people get so upset about you know it was a good joke. Yeah, for sure. And everyone sure. was like, kind of like, yeah, that was funny. But people were like leaving like, what the hell? I paid five dollars <laughs> to see Madonna. <laughs> but well, it was, imagine it was doing fun. that today, you would get, you would get oh, you'd ra- ring. But yeah. where, <laughs> where, where, where was the spot? It's on Pearl Street. Yeah, I remember okay. where Fiction is. Yeah, it's around yeah. that oh, area. Okay. So okay. That, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the first that was like your first venue. First venue in Toronto where I was like, uh, you know, my dad owned it, but yeah. uh, I was throwing uh, parties there for him. And that's kind of how my introduction to the scene in Toronto came about, but there was a really big hype around it. And yeah. a lot of club guys were coming, like, you know, owners from other clubs, like, what's this place? How is there a thousand kids? Yeah, true. Good looking people. Yeah. You know, all the Western kids, all the Guelph kids, all the uh, Queens kids would come there, especially in the summertime when everyone's back. Yeah. yeah. Or during the Christmas holidays, it was, yeah. you know, 
good looking crowd. Yeah. And they were like, why are, who, where is this crowd? What are they doing? They're yeah. all in jeans and t-shirts <laughs> yeah, and they're all drinking yeah, like yeah, crazy. Yeah, you know yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And, um, you know, so I started to get a little bit of name in the city and my last year university, I was up to doing like three, four nights in London. And I think at that point I just realized that this is what I want to do in my life. And, yeah. um, I, uh, didn't graduate. I should have, but, um, I finished my fourth year and I came back to Toronto and uh, I got offered an opportunity to buy this space on King Street. And there was not much on King Street at the time. Yeah. And it was just like a couple places. It was places. more Peter and Richmond area, it was right? Peter Richmond, was, yeah. and it was a place called 606. Okay. And um, yeah, and uh, this guy who had it for sale and I got a couple partners of mine from uh, London, like a couple friends that I went to school with oh. and a friend from here in Toronto. And uh, we kind of put together a little group and we opened up a place called Cheval. I remember Cheval. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I yeah. went to Cheval. Yeah, Cheval yeah, yeah. was fun. Was that was dope. a good one. So uh, that was kind of my first nightclub um, that I owned in Toronto and, um, you know, just kept rolling from there. Yeah. Um, I eventually went back and bought the one of the bars I used to work out in London. <laughs> nice. Dope. And okay. uh, that was a really cool, like, full circle thing yeah, to do yeah. my life yeah, yeah. there. And I opened up a couple of places there and uh, eventually I sold them, but it was fun to go back and of course. be on the other end, not in university, more on the owner side and, yeah. you know, throwing these parties with these kids and, dealing with promoters and stuff like that because <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. i was a, i was them at one point yeah you know? for and sure all it took was an opportunity um for me to get what i got to where i am today and you know i, I hopefully i helped a lot of people of out along the way no, I, have, sure. I have a question about like when you first got chevelle for example were you still let's say owning managing and promoting like yeah like you at were pretty much doing I was, everything I was, I still had my company at the time where i was like a promoting company so we'd yeah. throw parties still like we do like parties at different nights in different places and still I'd own and operate my my venues in Toronto and London so I don't think I gave up promoting for other people or just doing other things until I was probably like onto my like third or fourth venue wow. I was still Damn, doing one-offs at like other places yeah. and then I just became to the point where I like well it still was growing your network even those <clears> yeah, one-offs it was right? growing my network but I was just like if I'm going to make money I'm going to make money for myself not yeah, for yeah. other people anymore and <laughs> 100% just started owning my own places so. when does uh, when does Cobra come into play because I remember Cobra that was the first club I worked at, promoted yeah. at and um, it's funny that you bring up like your creativity from like the college days and stuff because when I was at Cobra I saw a little bit of that with the theme nights we did like a, a permanent marker t-shirt the white t-shirt one the wet t-shirt and stuff yeah, like yeah. that um, so how, when did Cobra come into play <clears throat> and, and how, what was the mindset there because I think you made like made a lot of noise on King with, with that club yeah it was a good club at that time um, I think it was like when I was like 20 25 or 26 we opened it and um the concept around at the beginning, remember we had the lights on the top and it was like yep. this really cool stuff. It, it was, we wanted to make it an underground house music kind oh, of club. Yeah. That's, that how, that's, yeah. how, what, that's what the concept was opening it. And um, people probably don't remember this because like Deep House and Tech House wasn't as big. To it wasn't cool the king, then. Yeah, the King West scene at that time. Yeah. You know, it was more top 40 and hip hop and stuff like that. But we were on that Thursday night at, uh, at Cobra. We were bringing like Martinez Brothers there, Yours, mm, Foreign, yeah. Black, Black Coffee. We had all these Crazy. massive DJs, and no one, <laughs> no one, they were, yeah. no one knew who they were. You yeah. know, but there was an underground scene going there. But it never really got recognized as this big Thursday deep house night or tech house night. Um, and then we eventually switched it over to um, to hip hop. But yeah, we have. You know, I took a lot of stuff that we learned. Um, from from university and from those early days to apply to like cool marketing tactics of course and uh, you know other than just booking DJs you have to start you have to think about why do people want to continue to come back to your yeah. places obviously one you know 
like having a good venue, yeah. aesthetics, good sound system, good lighting system, service obviously is very important in yeah. terms of if I'm spending money, I want to make sure like, you know, the bartender knows my name, my, my bottle service area is always clean and upkeep. Uh, the door guys, you know, the people at the door, I always, for me especially, because, you know, I don't really go to too many other places, but when yeah. I go around, I like to have good service at the door. Of course. Yeah. The whole experience starts at the door and it's hard. It's true. First impression. Yeah. True. It's first impression and then it's hard and I'm not saying that, you know, anyone's perfect at it and anyone's not because when you're doing a thousand people a night, you know what I mean? There's got to be an, you know, interaction at one point where either the patron or uh, the staff, something's gonna, you know, two people are gonna clash at some yeah, point. Yeah, at some so, point, yeah, yeah. Um, you just gotta try to make this experience as pleasant and seamless as possible. Um, but that whole experience for me at all our venues, even to this day, is is the door. And security training um, is something we always do every three months. And we don't even call our security guys security guys, but they're, they're hosts. Hosts, yeah. I love we it. Don't, True. We, don't, we, yeah. Don't, we don't tell them, but there's, no, there's no security needed in yeah, our venues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're there to host clients. You're there to introduce yourself. You're there if they want to walk to the bathroom, show them where it is. You know, that's how you're going to make a tip. I told them, guys, you want to make tips here and, and work and make money like the servers and waitresses? Then you need to provide a service. You can't just stand there yeah. waiting or thinking that something's going to happen, and then the one time a year it does, you're in, you're you know you're going into security mode. You're a VIP yeah. host the rest of the time. True. So you know we're doing this training all the time, and to make sure that these guys understand that you know the clientele we deal with. Um, obviously, there's going to be some problematic issues here and there with people maybe be a little bit over intoxicated yeah. or an issue here and there. But you jump in as a friend, be like, hey man, I'm here. What's going mm. on? Let me separate you guys or let yeah, me yeah. talk to you. Let's sort this out because people don't want to go at each other. They want to have a good time and, and yeah. you know get home safe. So we, we got to get you guys doing the fucking Toronto police training, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, dude. That's a great point though. I think like a lot of a lot of venues like to be honest, like I've been to a lot of venues over the past 10 years probably mm. we've been and a lot of venues screw up because the front door is a bad first impression and and then I I always hear people just from being a promoter they're like, "Yo, that that door guy was a dick never going back there again." Never yeah. going back. It was the first impression. I'll tell you why. If you you can ask anyone that comes in your podcast or even friends outside of this, mm-hmm. ask any bar owner, restaurant owner, club owner, whoever, how much time they put into training their 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 service team yeah. or management team, and then how many hours they put into training their security yeah. team. Yeah. Oh, it's probably way less. Probably eh? nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And once you ask them that question, ask them what's the difference between what experience they're giving their client your their patrons yeah. compared to these people yeah and if they have an answer for you let me know what it is because i don't know <laughs> yeah because no, these guys important. can make or break the experience before the experience even it starts. starts yeah so true before man. someone even gets so ex- like true. walk in you're, you're completely right yeah. and i think that's a that's a great point um, but i think but i think like you guys do a good job of um like like you said you don't even want them to feel like security more like hosts right yeah. I think the like your venues like i've been to probably almost all of them if not all of them like you guys do a good job of making it not feel like a place that needs security. Although, yeah. sure, by government standards and whatever, technically you need a security team. But you walk into Borrow, Myth, whatever, and you don't feel like you need. Even yeah. like th- th- there even needs to be security there. No. So I think you guys are doing a good job of kind of masking this security with a host. Someone who actually can take care of your experience or, or get it started on the right foot at least. 100%. And uh, the minute you put an army out front... True. Yeah, it just looks it's gonna, feel, it's gonna feel that way. So yeah. you yeah. have to make sure that you know you position people properly, and like I said, that the, the communications has to be a certain way, and, and it comes through training. So yeah. training is very, very important. And um, you know, I've learned that in my later days. Yeah. And I think there's kind of this old guard um, in the industry compared to you know what businesses and 
culture of entrepreneurs and, and restaurants and bars should be and is today. Yeah. Um, but there's still that old guard kind of thing um, when it comes to security because, you know, these guys have been in the industry for a long time. I'm sure they've worked at a lot of different places and seen some crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, and I get it. Um, so they always, you know, those may, might remember that one crazy time where this, you know, from back in the day, yeah. whatever it is, but and then you just have their guard up all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know they always have to be prepared, and I get it. Yeah, um, but we are here to uh, change that mindset and uh, get them trained up to kind of uh, be part of the culture of the restaurant completely and and be one. I yeah. like that though. That's that's attention to detail. To be honest, um, so how many employees are you? Do you currently have under your umbrella right now? It's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's hundreds, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, we're around. We've grown. So here's a good story for you. I know the number pre-COVID. Okay. Okay. And just before COVID hit, um, we did our Q1 town hall. So this is the kind of the first time that me and my partner um, of 2019 uh, got together and we're like, okay, we need to like, you know, we have six, seven venues and you only get to see so many people so many times. Yeah. There's only so many hours in the day, right? And like we need to get in front of everybody. And I think the most important thing that we talked about or we're going to talk about that day in which we did was, you know, alignment across the company um, that we are different venues, but we are one voice and cool. we represent one one hospitality brand and we, we work one way. And part of that was to let them know about our growth because I feel and we felt and this is something that we're going to I'll come back to is that um a lot of people don't take hospitality serious when it comes to what position or what career opportunities there are to grow into. Yeah. True. Very true. And, and I've noticed this and I don't know if this is a North America problem, but you know, I have a lot of operators in Europe and Latin America, but you know, some of these people get into hospitality young because you know, that's just a little bit part of the culture there. It's part of the lifestyle. And, yeah. and they, they take it serious. You know, you go True. to France, there's career waiters. You go to Greece, there's career bartenders that working on the islands till they're in their 40s. Wow. There's bartenders turn into managers, managers turn into hotel managers or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, and yeah. and there's, there's a career around hospitality. And I feel in Toronto that, um, you know, people not use hospitality, that, but people get into hospitality as a transition because they want to, yeah. you know, work at nighttime while they're studying to go to school exactly. or they're trying to do something else in their life and hospitality uh, fee pays the bills in the meantime. It's like a stepping stone almost for exactly. something. Yeah. So we want to do at this town hall is talk about, you know, what we did well in 2019, our goals, our achievements, and we share our numbers with everybody. That's amazing. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we don't say how much we make or what our sales are or whatever. Yeah. We celebrate our wins. That's we celebrate amazing. our wins and losses. We have to, especially with our team members, yeah. so they know. If we crack 300,000 a week, that's it. Like the whole team has to be jumping up because on Monday we said we have to crack 300 and let's beat the goal or whatever it may be. And then on Sunday, let's all go for a beer at the end of the night. We yeah, cracked like it. Like yeah. So um, that day we got in front of everyone. I remember I was at rec room and uh, it was February like 18th or okay. something like that. And uh, 450 employees. Wow. At the Holy time. Fuck. How did that members. feel for you, man? Um, I'm not really good at speaking okay. uh, like in public. I'm like yeah. not bad, but for that one, for some reason, I didn't really study anything. I just kind of wanted to go up and speak from the heart and just nice. speak how I wanted to speak, like what I felt yeah, and yeah. just cause I didn't want it to be robotic. I know. For sure. Um, I, I'll tell you some stuff, funny stuff after, but <laughs> we got up there, 450 people, 
talked about everything, talked about our 2020, uh, sorry, 2019 plans and growth, where we're going and, you know, what opportunities there is in this company. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that we want you to take this serious because we have management positions. We have upper management positions that make six figures. Yeah. yeah. You know, some, you might be going to school for whatever you're going to school with, but maybe there's a ceiling in that, in that industry at a hundred grand or 150 grand or 200 grand. Yeah. There's no ceiling. There's people make some big money. If you get on the upper side of this, this, this industry working yep. for big companies, yep. um, because there's, there's a lot, a lot of money going around. Right. And yep. there's a limited, uh, ta- uh, uh, talent pool. Of course. So people are paying for, for big good bucks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So especially you know, now, man, exactly. Especially <laughs> now. Um, so it was good to talk to everybody and, 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 see everybody and you know, I know I got off the stage and we you know ate some food after and played some games and um, a lot of people are like hey man you're, you're a pretty nice guy you're not you're not a dick <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm like why do you say that they're like because you never smile or say hi <laughs> and one thing people don't know about me is I'm extremely shy like okay it takes a lot for me to like open up I'm a very shy quiet guy um, very respectful person so when I got get talking and get to know people obviously they're like holy shit you're you're different than cool, I thought. Yeah. You're, yeah. You know, you're normal, and and uh, I'm just a type of person that I'm in my head. I'm at the venues. I'm watching everything. Yeah. People are like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just thinking about a million things yeah, that business. I see, yeah. and I want to fix, and I want to do." And it's just tough for me to like sit there smiling and having a great time at work all the time. And of course, but I try my best to say hi to everybody and remember names and 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 share some moments with with people along the way. So, but dude, 450 people, that's crazy. like that's yeah. fucking impressive. Bro. It's, 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 it was good. It was interesting to see. I didn't, I didn't believe it when I was up there and, um, three weeks later, COVID hit. Yeah. Boom. Okay. So, so talk about that. Like, I'm curious, obviously being in hospitality, so heavily in hospitality, how'd that affect you guys? So what, what was the initial, like, what was the initial reaction? And then what was kind of the, the, the move forward I think from the, there? The initial reaction was like everyone else, like, you know, something was coming. Um, Something was coming. No one knew what it was. And then we got into this uh, mode where, where we started to see reservations starting to cancel. Mm-hmm. You know, we just opened Dasha with Chef Akira back, you know, and yeah. it's a Chinese-themed restaurant with karaoke and a little bit of a bar in the back, a speakeasy, and people started canceling. They're like, people calling. What is, what's going on? What's happening, you know? And uh, it happened within, like, 10 days we yeah. went from fully booked res- like fully booked reservations full rooms corporate events whatever we had to zero, zero yeah, people yeah. weren't coming out and that's the point where we wanted to get ahead of it and uh close down and we closed down we were one of the first companies to close down um i remember it was a sunday night and we all got on the phone and we made a decision um and we closed on the monday and then i think two three days later the, the city closed yeah. like on a wednesday or thursday and uh, it was wild, man. So it was it was probably the hardest thing I had to do was go speak to all these people uh, two weeks before and That's talk about crazy. our goals and talk That's about our crazy. achievements, and then and then have to call and lay everyone off. Jeez, broke my fucking heart. That's fucked, man. Broke my heart. Holy fuck. And those those <laughs> holy those moments. <clears throat> I think that's what those that those moments are what defines you as an entrepreneur. True. And I know a lot of people that kept on a lot of, you know, and a lot of people kept their management team or team on and, and kept going and did great and got into other things. But in hospitality, if you, you didn't pivot right away to, to kind of tighten the belt, especially a hospitality with like us, we have so much yeah. overhead, overhead yeah, yeah. that, um, you know, it could have buried us really, really quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, we basically laid off um, about 95% of our, our company. Wow. 
and uh, it was the hardest thing that we could do um, until we knew what was going on. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't want to wait the two weeks to flatten the curve because we knew this was, wasn't going to yeah, be two weeks. Yeah, it wasn't going to be two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we kept on a couple of our senior management and upper management to help navigate uh, through this okay. uh, pandemic. And, uh, yeah, man, it was probably the most depressing, hardest time of my life. I mean, obviously, everyone got hit really hard. Yeah, yeah. But from me, I've been going out six days a week for the past 18 years of my life yeah, it's part of your yeah. life yeah, and yeah. uh and seeing people and being around people and like to all of a sudden that having that taken away and i'm sitting at home my couch at like 7 p.m 9 p.m on a saturday night yeah. and i look out on king west and that it, there was nothing happening that's there. crazy i was i was, in, I was i don't know how to take it in i was in yeah. shock mm -hmm. and it took a while for me to process it and understand it and you know um i think as more information came out we started to see and do things to try to try to get creative and uh i call it like your spaghetti hat on yeah. and just uh your marketing side of you comes out and like what do we do to try to make some extra revenue and um it was fun to see the resiliency of some hospitality companies of some cool shit they yeah. did the ideas yeah the ideas they Got came creative. out with you know like and, yeah, and yeah. some of these ideas are still in play true um the do-it-yourself home kits you yeah. know yeah. yeah the margarita kits or this kit or yeah. the pasta kits or whatever it may yeah, be yeah. Yeah, yeah and um you know some of the big big uh liquor companies still do that you go to the lcbo and they yep. have like a kit made ready to go like yeah, your caesar kit with walters yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and um it was fun to see and we got him we did some cool stuff um you know curbside barbecues and mm -hmm. uh when we got into the takeout game uh, the takeout game for us was was weird you know i i think it if you have a restaurant like ours where the experience comes with the full yeah, package yeah. yeah it's it's hard to package up you know a hundred dollar steak into yes. a box <laughs> yeah. and make it someone travel like in minus 20 degree yeah. on a bicycle look good yeah and be like thanks pay, <laughs> yeah. pay me 120 bucks yeah fair so we wanted our food to be memorable and and people to remember our spot so we kind of got out of that um but some people did well with it yeah you know and some people continue to do well of course and and you guys you guys brought myth to life right during the pandemic yeah so that was uh you know that was during the second lockdown um at that point you know we knew what was going on and how we had to watch the cases go up and down and we sat there around the table and we thought, uh, you know, that venue we had there, Citizen has been there for about seven, eight years. Yeah, it was my had a great, spot, had a great run. Yep. Yeah. And they were like, what do we do? Like, do we have a great lease. We're there for another 15 years. But do we wait this out and reopen a Citizen and, you know, ride it out for another four or five years and then, you know, have to close down and reduce something? Or do we take this time while we're in this government shutdown to take our time to close we're already closed and to renovate and come up with a new brand and concept mm -hmm. and come out the gates with a brand new uh, idea and uh, a brand that people will, will hopefully enjoy and come out hot and uh, that's what we did yeah and uh, myth is um, a very special project to our family we're Greek yeah so yeah. Um, we understand the, the, the cuisine and um, the culture and the, the design and what we're trying to put together so it was, it was easy for us and I think when we came out with it, um, and a lot of people didn't get time to travel. I don't know if you've been to Myth or not, but it yeah, yeah. has a beautiful aesthetic inside. You feel like uh, you're with in the music and, and, and yeah, the food, the ambiance, everything is that's it gave people a sense of escapism. True. Uh, the summer true. when they couldn't really escape. So I think it came out in a good time, and uh, we're happy we did it. But the what, food was the food was fucking amazing. By no, the, the way, food bro. was unreal. I the think we said unreal. that was the best fine dining in Toronto, right? 
a hundred percent and it was definitely <laughs> we it was definitely like the best greek food i've ever yeah, had yeah. like we dude, you guys to the place in tulum what was yeah it? Ilios? uh Ilios, yeah yeah it's, it's funny with greek foods and this is for me because i get the other end of it because i'm greek is that <laughs> and i'm sure italians get this and every culture get this but yeah. and people don't understand greek food in toronto and i let me give you my explanation okay why. yeah i was gonna say what do you mean there's by a that? few different reasons one a lot of people see Greek food from North America and think that's Greek food, which is great. That's food's food, you know, do different things. And then two, a lot of people that are from Greece or the, you know, Greeks from Danforth or the Torontonian Greeks always compare themselves to the region where they're from in Greece and the areas and what their grandma made, which mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of times, yeah, of course, same thing. thing. But same thing. there's different areas in Italy that produce, you know, different pizzas. Of course. Napoleon is uh, Roman. Yeah. And it's completely two different experiences. But... The reason here is that people always compare them uh, to their, you know, the way their grandma cooks or their, oh, this is my place on Danforth, this is the Greek food like this. Yeah, homemade, and the, yeah, listen, yeah. And this yeah. is this is our, our interpretation of how we like to eat Greek food from yeah. our region cool. and what we like. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people that come to myth enjoy the food and love the food but it's just fun to see some of the greeks that come there <laughs> so and yeah. you get some flack like do you guys get any flack for it <laughs> oh, or no not flack you know it's just oh we do it like this yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean and i'm so sure we you get it bro. You, know, you get that <laughs> like you're like oh my we would do pasta like that yeah it's yeah, like yeah. okay well we do it like this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but i think well, the way you guys <laughs> made it an experience and obviously like the first i think still to this day um people going in there taking fucking stories of that cheese on fire bro and that it blew up it blew up really quickly like from a marketing standpoint yeah um and i know that all was meant to happen on purpose you know but that that venue i think it speaks a lot to your brand because your brand like your your venues are very themed you know um so i want to talk about that as well because you have like borrow you had escobar as well which is now is it pablo snack bar now is that no, changed? It's, it's 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 escobar it's just we don't have a name to on the okay any of our kind of speakeasies we don't really have a name or a website like, or instagram okay. yeah we just run it really tight. It's yeah. kind of like an invite thing. If you know, you know. It's the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dope, uh, We don't want to be like on, on Instagram pages or like nightclub websites. Yeah, yeah. Like, Toronto just not, yeah. No hate, but you know what it is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on there. And um, that's the way we run things. But, you know, our restaurants and, you know, the Flaming Cheese obviously is, is a thing in Greece. It's weird because we don't really like... You don't really see flaming cheese in Greece. Really Greece, right? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do not see that in Greece. You know, unless you go to tourist spots where yeah, they're just doing course. that and no one yells "opa." Yeah, but you know, all my family back there would be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, um, it, it it's part of the show, and yeah. I think yeah. now the way what people eat, you know, I'm sure you guys know the the the, the phrase "Instagram meets first. Of course, facts. <laughs> can't even Big take a bite. Facts. No, Big so facts. Uh, you, you know, you have to have some sort of entertainment. Uh, part of the theatrics of just dining experience it just makes it more fun and people interact with it yeah so you know putting things on fire you see a lot of cocktails being smoked and a lot of you know cool vessels you know whatever it may be um just to make it fun you're out you're you're, you're out eating and yeah. just to go there to, like order an appetizer open a vein open dessert and then go to like go home it's, it's boring no 100 yeah. percent. so no people want the experience now it's not just about the food anymore yeah they which want is, interaction yeah which is kind of crazy but understandable it's the it's 2020 i want to ask like, even even comparing because you're still like to this day launching venues and, and releasing new venues and putting them out there like what what's like the biggest difference you see let's say in your in your venues from like chevelle and cobra like th that kind of market that we had in let's say 2010 compared to now in terms of when you have to create a venue and create an experience the way i like to create experience for myself is i i like to 
if you notice some of my venues, they, they don't just, it's not just one experience. It's not you're like you're just going for dinner and then the experience is over. You know, if you go to Borrow, we have four floors there. Yep. And the way I designed that venue is like we want you to come eat, go upstairs, have a cocktail in the cocktail lounge, go upstairs to the rooftop after, have a drink, hang out, or go to Escobar after yeah. and dance a little bit. I want to keep you in the building and move mm. you around a little bit, almost like a hotel. You know, when you go That's to true. Vegas, yeah. you know, the way they have you set up is you, isn't for you don't you have not, to leave. You're not yeah. supposed to leave. Yeah, yeah. you walk in <laughs> and you don't leave. If you're leaving, yeah. they're doing a bad job. Fair. Yeah. And, you true. know, that's why they have amazing restaurants, amazing clubs, amazing pools. They, they, they have It's all turnkey, right? And yeah. so you get to the property, you enjoy it, you stay there, and you stay, you do you experience everything there. Yeah. And that's what we want you to do with our venues, uh, you know, and it makes it so people can return more often as well because true. it's hard to go eat the same place like two, three times yeah, a week. That's true. But you can go to borrow two, three times a week because, you know, maybe one time you're going to eat, one time you're going to the rooftop to meet some friends from margaritas and yeah. it's just outside and it's relaxed and it's sunny and you got your sunglasses on it's a yeah. Saturday. Or maybe you go down and ask about to dance because there's a good DJ in there. Yeah, so true. it gives, you, gives me opportunity to draw people in yeah. for different experiences without getting old. In the same, yeah, in the same building or same venue. Yeah. And That's Dash dope. is the same way. We don't yeah. have yep. karaoke. So you can come there and just do a karaoke experience, sing with your friends, eat in the karaoke rooms, or you can go to Judy's and dance on a Saturday night to a yeah. good house DJ. And Myth, same thing. You know, you come there during the week. There's a, a, The experience at Myth is obviously a little bit different, you know, Sunday to Thursday. And, and the Friday, Saturday, we have, you know, guys on the bongos. We have the performers. We have the belly dancers. And there's a, it's a dinner with a show. You can't yeah. even get a reservation, bro. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to hit you up, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm curious. From, a, from a, let's say, a, a financial perspective, what usually does better, nightclubs or or restaurants? So here's here's a good here's a good explanation so the average nightclub has lasted how long you think in toronto what would you say the average five years six years so i was gonna five, say five six, years something like, like that. yeah four to, maybe four to six years okay. right so say you put a million dollars into the restaurant into into the, the nightclub yeah and every year the nightclub you know does i don't know eight million in sales you're doing 20 percent profit margin or you just say five million sales easy math yeah and you're doing a 20 percent profit margin on that yeah you're making a million bucks, a million bucks yeah. so for the first four years you made four million you invested a million you made three million back but mm-hmm. well, now you got to take another million after the fourth year and go f- renovate again yeah yeah change your name and change yeah. your name and then if everyone everything all the stars align again and it hits again and you're making 20 percent on five million yeah you're gonna do that again, but at the end of the day, what are you left with? Two million in yeah. between. Yeah, true. Because four t- years, you, yeah. it may took you one to uh, build it, and then it's gonna take you one to do the next one, right? So yeah. you're where the concepts that I think um, that are gonna be profitable and work well are these kind of hybrid um, dinner theater, yeah. supper club um, venues yeah. where you know you can eat there and enjoy your party there afterwards, um, because I believe they're gonna last longer. True, and if it takes you two million to do that, but you're there for ten to twelve or fifteen yeah. years, you have a longer life cycle, and yeah. you know you took you one shot to make it from that initial you, investment. Yeah, no, yeah. not how many. There's you know only so many times a nightclub's turned over and they've been successful after successful. They're successful at the same time. You're still going to the same building, the same address. <laughs> only you can change the aesthetic or layout once or twice. Yeah. True, true. You know? Yeah, yeah, and. Um, it's yeah, very so. it's very Miami esque though the the whole like uh, dinner theater um, like just more experience yeah involved, like did, yeah. did you guys like is that where you kind of took some uh, um, like reference from like I'd say Europe I think too. Europe yeah Europe, Europe as well. is a great yeah. great um, 
and and the reason why I think dinner dinner theater style venues in those pl- regions, like you're talking about Miami and stuff, is because the time the time limit's different there, right? Like, you know, they close at the bars mm-hmm. at what six a.m., five a.m. Yeah. So people are going to dinner a little bit later. Yeah, midnight. You know, they're going to mid dinner at midnight. And how do you keep them there till you know four in the morning, three in the morning before they go to the next experience? And the key is to keep them there as long as you can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you're just having dinner with a little bit of background music, you're going to yeah. be out of there within an I hour know. and a half. Sure. If you go to a place where there's entertainment you're going to be like, hey, let's stick around for three, four hours. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the AGC, the average guest check, starts going from yep. you know, 80 bucks to 120, yeah. 180. Yeah, okay, yeah, now yeah. we're buying bottles and I'm staying at the table I sat at. And you see that in Europe. You of just, course. you know, you eat and you stay. Yeah. yeah. And now we're buying bottles. So now you just ter- you turned your room into a restaurant, into a nightclub without even telling people. And they don't even know what happened. <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> they, they just, just left. Yeah. <laughs> Next and thing you know, it's 4 a.m. The yeah. only people that do it successfully are the ones that do it seamlessly. Yeah. yeah, and if you notice happen, if you notice that it's happening, yeah, you know chairs are moving, yeah, like people are standing up. There's things you're like, if it's no, you notice it, the operator is doing something wrong. True, yeah. you're supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be enjoying your experience, and it's seamlessly happening around you. Where like all of a sudden you're like, holy fuck, what happened? Yeah, like this the lights got lower a bit. <laughs> the lights music music starts coming going, in, creeping up. Like if the transition's too fast, or even if the uh, even if the kitchen's not punching pump, pumping out the food. Uh, quick enough, enough or whatever it is you got to follow the rhythm of the food yeah you know what i mean if you look in inside the the, the kitchen the chits on the mains are, are are you know down here and they're still on the board you can't just have the dj go pump it yeah, up yeah yeah you can't start pumping <laughs> you now you're yeah. going to eat your your main your main food with loud music you're like okay this is now the experience yeah. just got yeah, changed yeah. right wow. so you got to watch the kitchen and you know how they're coming out how it's coming out and then when people are starting to get on dessert the transition happens, yeah, lighting, yeah. music, this, that, and and you go into it, man. And if you this more seamless, you got it. The more good of an operator you are, and it's not easy to fucking <laughs> no, no, not for easy sure. to train somebody. This I'm that's telling you, that's a lot of You're fucking. The room, right? It's like, impossible to explain. Explain. Yeah. Walk, okay, so a manager walks in the room that's never managed or a dinner theater style venue before. This is where our concept is. This is what we're doing. Okay, how, explain how do I do this. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just did. The guy's probably like. Okay, what's the feeling? What's this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, a yeah. feeling. You have to know. You have to yeah. be there, right? So, you know, even with our management teams, it's uh, it took time for them to understand it and for us to understand it as well that there's a certain transition point and for it to happen seamlessly is the most important part of the business. I guess that's why they get paid the big bucks then, eh? That's why, man. People <laughs> got to stay in hospitality. Yeah. There's lots there's of money. Careers, there's careers. There's careers. There's money. And we've noticed that after the pandemic. Of you guys course. have heard that, the, you know, impossible to get staff which is crazy i feel like pre-pandemic like hospitality was booming like crazy oh my god yeah like it was like at its all-time high Um, i have a question about like your i guess your top tier staff and like the ones closer to you that kind of you delegate the task for the rest of the employees what do you what do you look for when you're finding someone to put on your team that's going to have an important role i always say this i don't say it too loud but i say it is that when you're looking for someone in upper management, you're going to talk to message and be around this person more than you are with your wife. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> yeah. True. So, yeah, you, so better, true. you better, you better <laughs> have, you know, not to have the same qualities, but you better have, um, be able to communicate with each other, um, and, 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 and understand each other's, uh, thought process and and how to challenge each other just like a relationship with your wife she's going to challenge you you're going to challenge her you're going to push each other to be better and um same with same with my management team and, and 
I hate yes people. I hate people just like, yes, 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 you know, whatever. Do They're just doing things. Yeah. Um, if my team around me, obviously you guys heard this a million times, not smarter than I am, yeah. then I'm not hiring properly. Yeah. Um, I bring something to the table that a lot of people don't and they bring something to the table, something to the table that I don't have. Yeah. And it's how we learn and work together. I also, I'm a very hard worker, you know, um, I put a lot of hours in and I, I don't work with pe well with people that, you know, are, are punch in, punch out. Yeah. yeah. Just and, there for and, 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 yeah. and there's no, nothing wrong with them. I'm not saying anything bad. It's just my style. Like I got to be able to message you at like 1 a.m. and be like this, this, and this. Yeah. You know, or I need this, this, and this. And you got to respond right away. Well, especially yeah. what you're saying for like, if we're talking from an upper level management perspective, like you can't be punch in, punch out. Like it's impossible, mm -hmm. right? You, you'll never operate that, um, that level of employment or that job title properly. No. There's no way. Would you and rather then, have someone, let's <clears throat> say, that has less talent, you have to train more, but works like an animal and will be passionate about it, or someone who maybe has more talent that you don't have to train as much, but is punch in, punch out? Less talent. Yeah. Yeah, always. If yeah. you don't love hospitality, yeah. if you don't you're gonna get, you're gonna get love sick this, quick. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter how good you are at this, if you don't love this, and you have like, you like the Gene Simmons about to step on stage, full me at the mouth, like, yeah. ah, let's yeah, fucking like go. Like, yeah. you know, service is <laughs> happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you don't have that in you every single day, because yeah. what we do is we do the same thing every day. Yeah. You know, we go through this massive, like, okay, pre shift, we're getting ready, clients are coming, the push is going, the kitchen's getting pumped, everyone's happening. And then this massive number comes out at the end of the night, and then we gotta clean up, and we're sitting there till three in the morning. And then the next day you wake up and okay, same thing next yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And it's just and on over, repeat, and, and it over, never yeah. ends. Yeah, it's never it's ends. Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta love. You gotta love. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta love it. Yeah. So you know, I want to work with people just as passionate as I am, and I'm super lucky to have you know my upper management team and even uh, another layer underneath me that you know I've had guys with me for like five, six years. Mm -hmm. It's awesome, crazy, and yeah. they they love it as much as I do, and I couldn't do it without them because. This industry eats a lot of people up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The hours are hard. Me as an operator, I know a lot of people, VIPs, celebrities in the city, and, and I'm on. I'm on. Like, even if I'm at home, if I have a night off, I'm on my phone till about two, three in the morning, just quarterbacking stuff. Yeah, get this guy wow. in. Get the, get her in. Yeah, da, da, we have da, da, this da. person showing up. Okay, send yeah. a bottle. Of this I need a, like a welcome card for this person. You know, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, we're quarterbacking all the time, and that's why I need my management always to be there. It's not like. There's no like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna take my day off. <laughs> yeah. Please don't call me. You're like, yeah. I'll respect you if you just say, hey man, I'm I'm going offline. Like, yeah. yeah. I tell my manager sometimes too, like I'm beat. I need like half a day yeah. going offline. Same with them. If they ever come to me like, and they need something, I'm a hundred percent there. Yeah. There's no like, you know, as long as you ask me and just say I need the fucking four days, I need to disconnect. Yeah, yeah. I'm like my peak. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Yeah, because you get like, the industry. You know yeah, how there's it can no be. like, oh yeah, there's oh, okay, uh, two weeks of your uh, four days of your two weeks is off the schedule. No man, there's no. If you want to work, work, get the job done. As mm -hmm. long as it's being done, and then you need a day off, you need a weekend off. Go. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I have to fucking get these guys out of here. I'm like, get out of here. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. to the cottage. Go away. Yeah. Wife. Go do this. You know, like because they have the same itch that I do about it. And but you said something important. You're like, oh, even when, when I need a day off, it's like half a day. I think people don't understand that when you're at the top of a company trying to build something, you have zero days off. I'm zero sure you probably people that, that look at you and be like, bro, you're probably just chilling all day. Like oh, you're just guy's, probably yeah, he's just quarterbacking, whatever, but no, like, it's not like that, bro. No, I do. I talk in some entrepreneurship classes at Guelph Dope. Okay. and I, I've done it for about like two years, three years now. And you know, at the beginning I used to be like so scared to talk to them about, you know, 
you know, because I wanted I want them to get something out of it yeah. for sure. And now I just get scared the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah. Scare the shit out of people. <laughs> I, I just walk in every day. <laughs> yeah, I just walk in and be like, you guys, if you want to get be an entrepreneur, you're gonna. This is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. You're yeah. gonna miss payroll. This yeah. is gonna happen. You're never gonna stop working. This yeah. and that. This and this and that. And by the end of it, you know the the concept of what I'm trying to say. Obviously, I, I put it together properly and in a proper speech and everything, and, and try to scare the fuck out of them. Yeah, is is that. If you, if you, your passion, your love for what you're going to do, whatever it is, doesn't match what I just scared you with. <laughs> yeah. Don't, even don't get into it. Yeah, yeah, don't it's, not your, it's not even, yeah, it's not. Yeah, like your passion needs to be more than the shit list that I just try to scare you with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think at the end, you know, of, of the class, that's where it comes and it starts to like sink in for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, there's some great young entrepreneurs have done some great shit. But there's a lot of people that failed, man. Of yeah. course. There's a lot. There's more people that failed than made it. A hundred percent. What do you think is the key? Consistency? Making it? Yeah. Uh, timing. Timing. I think it's a very important for, for sure. personal. Uh, I know some very, very smart businessmen, um, and it just wasn't the right time for them. Yeah, true. Um, and, you know, maybe they left their comfy job um, working for where they were too early, and they weren't ready for, like, okay, oh, shit, Real I'm life, on my yeah, own, like, yeah. you know? And then some people... Uh, I think you know luck has a lot to do with it too, in an industry at the right time, you know, and, and and working hard. But at the end of the day, nothing outbeats work ethic. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, but you know what? You 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 probably learned a good lesson of the whole like resiliency thing, like starting young. I think starting as an entrepreneur a little later in life is is a little more tough. You have more obviously more on the line, maybe mortgage payments, whatever, all that shit. But also just the understanding of how fucking crazy it becomes every single day, nonstop. And when you, then you start to have employees under you, you're getting messages at all time of the day. Like you have no time off, like you said. E- even I'm sure that the days you go, I'm I'm offline for half a day, that's bullshit. You're probably still <laughs> answering questions, probably still talking for about sure. the business yeah. to some extent, right? For sure, I'm, I'm always taking care of people, but. My managers know if I, and I rarely, like maybe once every two months I say I need, like I need a day off like, yeah. or whatever. They don't bother me. So it's, it's nice. But, you know, entrepreneurship is, is an interesting thing and you got you to gotta have a really, really high passion for it because True. you're going to fail more times than not. You're going to miss a payroll or <laughs> yeah. you're going to yeah. worry about missing a payroll. Yeah. Um, and, and you're going to have long nights ahead of you and you're going you're gonna to have to battle through that. And at the end of the day, you have to, love working for yourself and 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 being prepared to be paid last yeah yeah that's important though preach that. preach that i want to fucking put that in the fucking I wanna, yeah no that's that, paid that. last yes. yeah, yeah a lot of people start off as an entrepreneur and that's the first thing they're looking for their their paycheck right oh, it's, it's like dude yeah. if you're no paycheck ch- no chasing shot. do not be an entrepreneur i want to ask like you told us your day-to-day it's hectic right and and i see it on your story too you're at one venue then you're doing taste testing then you're somewhere else then you're there then how do you stay balanced uh i don't know that's a very good question i didn't think you were gonna ask that <laughs> how, um, okay how do you stay let's say motivated I, as well balanced i'll say cool. I, I work i go to the gym a lot like okay. i'm not like some like meathead guy <laughs> but i used to work out a lot and yeah. i still do um so that one hour of like disconnected from the universe of like just putting some tunes on you know doing my cardio doing weights getting a sweat just releasing some good like feelings yeah. out of your body yeah. um and, and and pumping that blood i think that one hour keeps me daily balanced which is nice um family you know my family is very close with me so i get to work with them a lot um so i get to communicate so if i'm going through stuff 
I, I can I have a phone call and they, they get it because yeah. they're in the same industry. So mm-hmm. like I'm saying like oh this is happening or I'm having a meltdown or nine one one happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like okay, they help you know they can help me guide through it. Yeah. So I think balance comes from family and that, and that one hour of disconnection a day for the gym, nice. um, which is nice. And I get to travel a lot. This is like one good thing where not recently because of COVID, but I used to travel a lot. Uh, part of my end of the business, you know, uh, what I take care of is is uh, R and D, food and uh, food and beverage um and and concepts so i get to travel a lot and see different things around the world because if you don't see what's happening trends around the world yeah. um you're just going to be stagnant you're yeah, not going to be doing anything cool. yeah. not that you're copying stuff but you're more or less getting ideas you're seeing yeah. you know design different design ideas different textures different foods different flavors meeting different chefs like just yeah. picking people's brains mm-hmm. and, and it's fun of the course. industry is so big yeah. there's so much out there man yeah. um so i Traveling was a big thing for me before COVID to kind of balance me out. I used to travel like at least once every two months. Oh, it's amazing. To go, to go eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's dope. awesome. You That's ever think about, open, amazing. You ever think about opening something like somewhere else? I always thought about it. You know, I've been offered a bunch of things. Um, I've looked at a bunch of projects, Arizona, Miami, uh, LA. But um, I kind of like being a big fish in a smaller pond. Yeah. And the pond's not that small anymore. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's a pretty still pretty decent sized pond. It's a big here. pond now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm already here. I'm established. Um, I think leaving and taking away my energy from this city to go somewhere and start brand new yeah. uh, will take a lot away from what I've built. And I think I have a lot of work still to do here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to leave my mark a little bit more uh, here in Toronto and, and keep building it. And you know, I talk to I talk to some celebs a lot. Of, you know, local guys. I'm sure everyone knows who I'm talking about and stuff like that. They've came up and moved out to LA or, or, or they've done huge things. And these are guys that are, that have put our city on the map and, um, and, and that used to come to my clubs and restaurants since they were before they were big. Yeah. They, they said they used to not get in and, <laughs> That's amazing. and, and we, we, we sit down, we have a talk and, and, and it's just like, you know, these guys have put Tron on the map. Yeah. You know, a lot of these are the music scenes really put Tron on the map. Of and when we talk about things like that, they're like, yeah, but you guys in hospitality have yeah. really, 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 really pushed this city. And you yeah. always have. And, and in the past, you know, five, six years, people are talking about our nightclubs. People are talking about our True. restaurant. People are talking about our chefs. People are starting now to talk about our hotels because we never really had really too many cool hotels in Toronto. Yeah. Um, so the scene's growing uh, along with, you know, our music scene and our, our sports scene. Uh, you know, obviously Raptors won the championship. Yep. and. Hockey is doing great, and you know there's so much happening in our city. Um, but I want to continue to do my part and push this city to be one of the best international cities to visit and live in in the world. I was gonna say, you think you think there's still a lot more growth here? A lot for Toronto. A lot. There's so much growth left. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and not to say that we have to grow into. Um, being better, mm-hmm. but there's still so much landscape. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you go True. by. By by Rebel down there or the yep. beaches. Yeah, well, they're doing there's, their whole area. That's yeah. there's there's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, that's New York. That's that's a whole different neighborhood. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's a whole different yeah. district neighborhood Buildings, with its restaurants. Condos, yeah. There's a whole different world ha- going to happen it's over true. there. Mm-hmm. Down at Ontario Place. Yeah. You know. True. And and true. that's why I'm down at Hotel X oh, so now. You're scheming. Okay. We <laughs> yeah. see. So Plan Hotel ready. X. Yeah, yeah. Hotel X down there that we you know we have the contract, the food and beverage contract with Food Dudes. Yeah. And. Um, we're renovating all the all the restaurants there. There's Sick. there's going to be five restaurants and there's going to be a rooftop. Obviously, people went to the last one, but yeah. we're renovating the rooftop this year. Sick. We're renovating the lounge on the 27th floor into a beautiful cocktail bar. 
and uh, we're doing a live music, small little live music lounge as well. Oh, come on. Uh, we're doing a big restaurant on the first floor, and uh, our first restaurant will open up on the second floor, which is kind of like the breakfast, lunch, all day uh, place for people to eat inside the hotel for so again just keeping them in the hotel just keep them in the hotel yeah. that's the goal and and there's there's you know i'm not going to tell you what's happening but there's a lot of stuff happening on the sure, cd we'll grounds yeah there's more okay. hotels coming i was more just about coming. to ask you i was about to say because it's a pretty hotel lex is pretty standalone there right now there's not really much around it it's fucking parking lots the, the stadium yeah that's it so I was going to say sure. there must be some other stuff happening. It's there's too much uh, land. There's stuff happening. Yeah, I just wanted to be <laughs> first, <laughs> first there. Stuff happening. Yeah, no, perfect. Yeah, and you're getting into something that's already established to yeah. a certain extent. And it's been right? my dream to to learn the my, hotel side. Yeah, my ultimate dream one day is to own a hotel. Sick and sick. Not a big one. Just you yeah. know, that's kind of more my like retirement life. I want to live somewhere in the world with a mm -hmm. nice little hotel, like a boutique, yeah. a nice little restaurant, and just kind of live and work the property. You know, what yeah, I mean? feel you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to learn that style, and sorry, that end of the business a little more. Um, so it's fun to be in there, and, and you know, I was at Thompson for about nine years yeah, yeah. with Wildflower in the basement, and learning a lot there in the back end from their management team. Now I'm here learning a lot from the management team here, um, and just seeing how all thing operates, man. It's a whole different. Uh, hotels are beasts. There's oh, a, for what, sure. What you, what you don't see. <laughs> Like you know the rooms in the lobby. Yeah. Behind the scenes, there's like madness, imagine, kitchens and kitchens and <laughs> storage and this and that and you know so much happening. There's a, the whole network happening underneath those buildings. Yeah, it's wild. But it's cool because you're going in there. You're not just saying, "Cool, I'm gonna put like my restaurant and my like cocktail bar." You're like, "Okay, let me go in there, put my restaurant, my cocktail bar, but let me also learn like what else is going on." You know what I mean? Because you already have your foot in that door, right? Yeah. So you're doing that little bit of extra research. Always learning, man. Yeah. You always have, there's so much to learn in this business, especially when it comes to food and, and, and service. Like there's new, 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 new things happening all the time. And there's, you know, ingredients and trends and all these things are like, you always have to educate wine, yeah. lick spirits. Like it just never ends. Yeah, of course. It's awesome. Cool, though. That's crazy. Man. That's yeah. unreal. That's, that's insane. Um, I want to talk about cannabis a little bit because we know, we know you got into that recently. Yeah. Last year or so, right? Yeah. During the pandemic. Dope. So, um, you opened up a dispensary. Mm -hmm. Is that a franchise? Seven point? Uh, my partner has a few other locations, okay. but this is the only one called Seven Point for now. Okay. What made you uh, make the move? It's a similar business um, to alcohol, to selling alcohol. We're buying a product from the government. Um, you know, s safe consumption is very important uh, in that industry, and that's what we do uh, with selling alcohol. So it was very similar um, style of operations. We're buying from the government, selling to a customer. Um, so we were interested in it. Obviously, there was a boom in the industry, and uh, it was it was fun to learn it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we thought it'd be a good good segue into into um, trying something different, especially during the pandemic. Diversifying a bit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it's been a fun project. Uh, we bought the building, so like we're on the real estate side and and the other side. So. You always gotta buy real estate. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure people tell you that. Yeah, course, buy, 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 all the time. So you know the business is there uh, while we we own the building, and, and it's it's been fun. It's fun. fun Has there learn. been any like challenges that maybe you haven't faced in hospitality that you're facing with uh, with cannabis? Yeah, it's, I think the hospital the cha the change that we're seeing is that there's so much rules and regulations changing, especially with the pandemic. Like example, you know, when they came out with, uh, you know, dispensaries, you could never do delivery. Um, now 
you okay. know, stores closed. Now there's delivery. Mm-hmm. We we're told that delivery is going to stop as soon as the pandemic stops or, or people can come in store, but they kept it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we're still doing delivery. So there's yeah. a lot of regulation changing. Okay. Um, they're going on Uber Eats. Yeah. So it's, you know, Crazy. like a lot of things are happening really fast. And I think maybe, um, a lot faster than they do in the restaurant industry because the restaurant industry has been around for so long. True. Yeah. Licensing's kind of been the same. It hasn't yeah. really changed. So now to see all the changes in the, you know, with cannabis and licenses, the licensing changes and regulation changes, it's industry because it, in, interesting because it's changing the industry. Yeah, like and those think, those things, you have to pivot right away. Like, yeah, because your competitor it's so competitive. If you don't have delivery up, you know, three four weeks or a month, but your competitors do. You're done. You, you can you <laughs> yeah. can eat shit, right? I guess what people don't understand as an entrepreneur is like it's not just a quick change. Like, oh, there's delivery now. It's like, okay, I got to find a delivery driver. What car are they driving? Are we covering their Implement gas? The, new process, the logistics, yeah. the processes, the website. This. What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, there's so much more into it. Like, so much more goes into it. What people from the outside would think is a small change. Yeah, I guess there's so many things on the back end that you have to take care of, right? So remember before Uber Eats and and those delivery systems, people were just doing delivery on their own with a yeah. driver and whatever. Yeah. So now you know everyone's set up like this. But now when Uber. cannabis turns into Uber Eats, this is going to become obsolete, and now mm. everyone's going to go online. Change again, again. yeah. So now we're changing again within yeah. yes. a year. Yeah. yeah. So like it's 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 a lot is happening. Um, I'm interested in to see where it continues to go. Um, mm the legacy market's still very big yeah very big people still buy outside of dispensaries for sure for sure i want to see what this city or government or overall what's going to happen in the industry with that yeah um because we're talking like a huge number of dollars that still get bought in the black market market. for sure for sure if it goes to dispensaries like it's going to be great yeah or if people just say we're not into dispensary stuff yeah and you know we're gonna buy off the black market or legacy market sorry um that, that market's is, gonna yeah. stay forever yeah. yeah and the government just has a small piece of the buy in yeah. terms of the tax part damn it's crazy i'm i'm interested obviously you've you've opened a bit of part of a ton of different venues if you, if you had to and can choose a favorite what would it be Oof. I know, I know. That's so tough. I, I know. Pick one I, know. <laughs> I don't know. That's. I don't want to name any of the ones right now because I'm still in it. You're still, yeah, still yeah. in it. Okay, so let's talk about your past ones. But the past ones, um, just because I know what it feels like to close, and the okay. weird part is, so the day before I open for me, the, this always happens to me. I have like the worst dreams. I'm fucking nervous as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I just have these dreams that no one's showing up. Like doors are gonna open. It's empty. People don't like it. All these things are yeah. happening. Cause I'm a, I'm a, I'm hard on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like to take care of people. I like to see other. My happiness comes from seeing other people happy. That's why I think I love hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's not because you know there's all this crazy. There's not there's not crazy money in it. There's our margins are fucking super tight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And we work like dogs. It's a really really difficult industry and market. But I love seeing people happy. Yeah. I love seeing the smiles in the day. I love seeing a text message. You know, it says, "Hey, you know, had a great meal. Thank you so much. The food was amazing, or our server was great, or I love the ambiance, or, or I met this girl last night. And now we're dating at the yeah. club. <laughs> now we're getting married. Had, yeah, yeah, no, I've had For that sure. happen. I've had guys like, yeah, I've, I'm that girl I met at your club, bro. I'm getting married to her. Stop. Well, yeah, <laughs> That's or crazy. like I've met other people like, yeah, I met my wife at your place. Like, you That's know, so like, easy. it just for me those little things yeah. are just like we're doing something for, to change someone's life. And yeah, I, I like that. Um, so that opening days is, is means a lot to me, but the closing day is the hardest. Of course. Yeah. All those years of all good. those years. And it's not because 
So I never had really venues that closed too many, maybe a couple um, that closed because something bad happened or it wasn't doing well. My like venues in London, I chose to sell because I just, I didn't want to drive to London two yeah, hours yeah. anymore. I was just tired. There's yeah. so much back and forth that the business is here. Um, that, you know, Cheval, we closed it. It was still slammed yeah, yeah. six years in. But I just thought the timing for me to get into more restaurants, we turned it into a place called Valdez that had Esco, yep. the original Escobar in the back, mm -hmm. uh, was the right time. I wanted to end it off on a high note. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want my clubs and, you know, Wildflower is the same thing where they get into that rhythm. You know, they have those life cycles where they're hot, they're good, all the good people. Then they start, then, then you know, you have all these promoters and then you have all these things happen and the crowd shit and then people don't go. Yeah. I, I don't like that life cycle. I like mm -hmm. to kind of end on like a good note. Yeah. Um, just because of my, you know, my brand and my reputation, I always want to have a good standard. Um, so I think the closing, closings are hard because it's, it's, things are still going well, but I think Wildflower. Yeah. That was the hardest one. That was one of the most that iconic. Was yeah. That one of the most iconic venues in the yeah, city for sure. And, and, and I've closed Cheval. That was another like epic one for me. And you know, I, I never knew the, I never knew the feeling of what I'm going to miss. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was weird. And when we closed Valdez, because we got bought out of our lease of Valdez, which is borrow now. Yeah. Um, so we, we took a buyout. We were killing it there too. Um, I knew the last day, the last service, you know, we, we sat there with my chef, we cooked the last chaufa, this big plate of rice, and we all yeah. just sat there and ate and drank tequila and just talked, you know, yeah. it was just, but we had something else happening, so it was fine. But um, Wildflower, we knew it was done. Yeah. They sold the hotel, the mm -hmm. hotel was turned into one hotel, and I knew the date, and the date was, you know, 2019 New Year's Eve was the last date. Oh, shit, okay. And, uh, that my staff there, there was such a good community of people. Uh, Peter was my manager, yeah. Will, and he, I worked with him for about 10 years before, you know, in other right. venues of mine. So I had a long relationship with him. And my staff that worked there was, was, was so tight and such a good crew. Mm -hmm. But they didn't realize at the time what was about to happen in terms of what they were about to lose or what it would feel like yeah. to lose. When it was gone. Yeah. When it was gone. And I, I have. Mm -hmm. And I pre-shift this like two, three times. I'm like, guys. And you know, you see, you see the girls in the in the buses. They're like, "Yeah, what is this guy talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, you don't understand what you have here. I'm mm. like, this is awesome, and it's going to end in you know three months. Yeah. Enjoy these moments. Enjoy yeah. these nights. Like, take every fucking moment in. And I said it to them the last night. This is the last night, and you're starting to feel what I'm telling you about three months ago. And they're like, "We're starting to fucking feel it." Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, enjoy it. And then some of these girls still work for me now in other venues and they're like, Maddie, that speech you gave that day, <laughs> like we finally understand what the hell you were talking yeah, about. Like, yeah, we yeah. miss it so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, It was such a good time. You there. could see it. Like even going there, like you could tell the, everyone was in sync, like all like from the, like the doorman to the, to the host, the girls at the front, all the way to the server, the, the bartenders, the busters, like it, it felt like everybody was in sync. Like it was literally, and probably for you guys, that was a great feeling. It felt like everyone was like a one fucking robot, one yeah. machine. Like, and when you get in that mode, there's like, uh, for me on my end, and I don't know how people feel as a as a as a, as a patron. Um, that place had an energy sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. just like, holy fuck, yeah. like something's happening here. Like yeah. especially on the Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Sunday, the Sunday. Yeah. yeah, like you were in the room. Like it was just this energy in the room of just like something felt really good. Like everyone was just. Having a blast. Out yeah. good energy and good yeah. time and you can just feel the rhythm of the room and it was just like wild it was, was that really, the, really was good. that the first time you were involved uh like with a with a uh, hotel yeah yeah that was the first hotel i worked with so 
Um, it was fun. It was an interesting relationship, you know, uh, working as like a nightclub operator in a hotel. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, two worlds. worlds. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, like, like I said, in Vegas, you have to, everyone's got to be in sync. True. Yeah. You know, True. the girl checking people in needs to understand exactly what happens downstairs, what the nights are, who goes there, why it's happening, and communicate. There's like in a hotel, you need like communication, signage, direction points, all that is so important because yeah. the person checking in needs to know what's happening in the whole venue. So yeah. they stay there as a whole. Yeah, if yeah. They yeah. leave. We're not doing our job. So cool. That's uh, something we're trying to uh, trying to you know master and 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 keep people in this property for their 24 hour stay. Yeah. No, I've, I also find it interesting that that you say like there's so much growth in Toronto, but you, you put it good in terms of like all these different untouched pieces of land. But I think a lot of people that in conversations I've been having recently, uh, people don't seem to think that Toronto has much more in terms of growth. Um, but I'm surprised. You, it's perspective you, you, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, no, no, no. You're, you're coming from a completely different angle, but it makes sense. I there's, went to this... Uh, I went to this guy's dinner. His I won't say his name, but he's a famous famous guy, like uh, entrepreneur guy, and it's like a billionaire's dinner type thing, millionaire yeah, dinner. Yeah. And I don't know what the hell I was doing there, <laughs> but <clears throat> we were. I was there with some hospitality people to talk about you know COVID hospitality, and this gentleman has a garage, and I'm telling you, I've you've I've been to it. I've been at the Ferrari factory in my life. I've yeah. driven Ferraris on the Ferrari pistas. Yeah, I've never seen a garage of cars. Or collection of cars like this. I think it was about a four hundred million dollar collection. Oh my god! Like three, of the, two or three of the. He had like thirty Ooh. Ferrari, La Ferraris, F forties, F fifties. This is everything. This is everything. in Toronto, Ontario, whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll say Canada. And <laughs> yeah. um, Jesus Christ! And, and he had classic Ferraris from from the sixties and seventies that are worth like eight to ten million at an auction each Ooh. one that have like twenty thousand kilometers on them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Or, oh, fuck. It, it was insane. They had yeah. every single car you can think of, like. The Jaguar XLR was there. I was like, fuck, I fucking Come forgot on, about this one. Geez. The old Corvettes, the old Stingrays, everything yeah. you can think of was in this thing. And he made this beautiful table down the middle of this garage and a bunch of gentlemen that were very successful entrepreneurs came there to eat. Uh, chef Massimo was the chef. Uh, some of the best Italian food I've had. And part of this dinner that he throws is that these entrepreneurs through the dinner get up and talk. Cool. Every course, people different people different people different people talk throughout the meal, and different industries. And one of the guys came up, and he was on a real estate guy, and he basically went in front of all these business guys and was basically said, "You guys are all fucking lucky that you live in Canada and you live in Toronto." Wow, come on! And he said, he goes, "I operate. He operates a fund, you know, billion dollar billion dollar fund of, of real estate, and he's like, we live in the most underpopulated country." in the world yeah true so that's fucking compared true. to landmass that's yeah. true we have one of the most stable governments in the world and we have we live in the biggest and best city where everybody wants to come and yeah. bring their money so it's true as the world continues to grow where are they going to have to end up going mm. we have a million immigrants coming here in the next two yep. three years where we don't have a million homes or apartments <laughs> or units true. to put them yeah. Yeah. So he said, you guys are fucking lucky. That's how he started off. He goes, Come on. buy land, buy real estate. There's only one way it's going to go. We have to house these people. We have to find these places for these people to live. There's going to be millions of more people over the next you know, 100 years coming here. It's not going to stop at a million. Yeah. Other people are going to have to come from other countries that are getting overpopulated. And the first people to leave overpopulated countries are people with money. 
True. Or not leaving. It's true. Yeah, leave. it's true. Yeah, it's true. So they're going to take their money and go where? Yeah. Canada's got a very stable government and we have lots of land to build on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ton of it. Yeah. So he's like, you guys are all fucking lucky you live in Canada. <laughs> so the fucking, the fucking Instagram real estate agents aren't lying, eh? It's not <laughs> no, like it's the truth. Bro. It's, 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 it's buy, buy, buy. And he's, he's, he's obviously, you know, they have an algorithm he was talking about, about like what to buy, where, but he's like, we're there, there's, Scarborough's going for a thousand a foot. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, fucked yeah. everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Barry, even Barry yeah. Now. I sold one of my condos once, like six, seven years ago, for a thousand a foot. And they're like, record breaking downtown. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what's going yeah. on? A thousand. Yeah. Now people are listing condos for fifteen hundred, seventeen. I'm like, no, that's no one's gonna get it. They're sold out. Yeah, sold. it's true. So, so true, man. Like, if Scarborough's getting a thousand a foot, where do you think Scarborough's gonna be in eight to ten years? Me at fifteen hundred a foot. Yeah. Downtown's gonna be at two thousand. So, not to say that that's the best places to buy. Or he said that, but he's like, find. Good you know, spots, where's the good yeah. spots where growth is going to happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can move or afford to move downtown Toronto. It's not yeah. those million people are going to go across Canada, a good portion of Toronto, but they're going to get jobs in the suburbs or will have to drive in because they can't afford fifteen hundred a foot right now. Yeah. So he's a find you know a specific niche area and buy and let it just develop. It's true. So when it comes to real estate, <laughs> can't go that's wrong. my 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 story from this. We're gonna billion, get you a fucking license, bro. billionaire, bro. <laughs> We're gonna um, get you a license. Guy. Do you have any advice for let's say a uh, um a new entrepreneur, someone young, just starting off, maybe they don't know exactly what they want to do, but they know they want to work on their own and, and get shit done. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I'm going to use this example cause I never did it cause I was an idiot. <laughs> um, and I should have, and I've learned more about it now and I've watched some colleagues and friends research yeah. and, and, and I have, you know, one of my partners, um, he just started a new brand and this guy had no idea about restaurants ever, <laughs> but he came to Toronto and he, he joined forces with us and he's a partner and he was in public speaking and um, I'm sure he's going to listen to this because he always listens to my stuff and he critiques me, <laughs> nice. but um, he was in public speaking and he worked for you know a call center at 1-800-GOT-JUNK and um, he's an amazing public speaker, talks about company culture and I brought him here to help build my company culture because yeah. I had no idea about it. And uh, I made him a partner, and that was his area of a part of the business that he had to develop. And you know, recruitment, company culture, all these things are so important to a company like ours, especially in an industry that doesn't have good culture. Too much yeah. culture, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very rare. Like yeah. it's being installed now, but like five, six years ago when we started this, we were like, comp- I would say we're company leaders in hospitality, true, in Toronto, um, leading culture, and yeah. um, it, it was fun to hear. It. But he recently left and and started his own qsr like quick service restaurant brand called brassa he opens his first store in the next day or two which is awesome and he never knew anything about food yeah nothing about service yeah. nothing about owning or operating a restaurant especially a quick service restaurant and he wants to build uh, a, a ch- massive chain you know yeah. three four hundred five hundred restaurant he wants to build a billion dollar yeah. quick service restaurant and all he did for two years was do research have meetings ask questions, Yeah. talk to other restaurant hospitality guys, talk to other QSR guys, talk to other chefs, pick their brains, get knowledge on every aspect of the fucking business. True. Mm-hmm. He built his menu and got a nutritionist to do a deep dive. Like, is this food healthy? Mm. Damn. Is it not? How can I market it? Yeah. Because I can't just say, oh, it's a salad bowl and bowl and it's somewhat it's health- healthy. Yeah. Unless you know it's healthy. What are the actual health healthy aspects of it? Damn. You know, it's Peruvian, uh, Peruvian chicken brand. Um, so you know, he dip, dived deep into everything. Yeah. Well, Peru, what is Peru? Where does yeah. what is their what is their main exports? What is the ingredients? What is the hot 
hot stuff coming out of that country, you know, in terms of, of, of culinary, uh, who are the hot chefs called them? God, he got, he sunk his teeth into the business. Yeah. And, um, I think if you're a young entrepreneur, um, before you start anything, sink your teeth right into everything and never be scared to ask a lot of things I've noticed with entrepreneurs, um, is that people are scared to use their networks or yeah. just ask. Yeah. And I tell that to my entrepreneurship class at Guelph. I'm like, guys, you have someone, not me, but maybe someone else, um, that you admire or you think is a good businessman, DM them. Yeah. yeah straight up. DM them. Straight hey up. man, I'm, 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 I'm so-and-so. I want to start a business. Don't ask for a half hour conversation because they're probably yeah. busy. Ask for a seven minute conversation and have four or five loaded questions ready to go. Be prepared for that. Yeah. And, um, you know, don't be scared to ask people because a lot of people are out there willing to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good entrepreneurs that understand young entrepreneurs coming to the business. And, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of people get scared to ask me questions. A lot of people get scared to ask other people questions, but ask, 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 yeah. Yeah. find out every, everything. Cause everyone's failed at, at something yeah, in their, yeah. while they're being an entrepreneur and everyone's been successful yeah. and they're going to give you feedback. And I think that feedback is so powerful. Yeah. I think asking questions is, is so important, man. Yeah. So man. true. You so true. To. So did, Listen, you, did you have a, before you asked the, oh, the yeah, final yeah. question, did you have any mentors when you were kind of in your come up in hospitality? Um, great question. I don't think I had any real mentors. I, you know, there's people I looked up to in the industry. There's people that helped me. Um, Zark was on this show. He's helped me a lot, yeah. you know, Such in, a in his business. Um, he always was a big supporter from the beginning. I remember him coming. I did this party I was, when I was in university. We all used to come back for Christmas and I used to do a party at Brandt House. And, um, and it was called the Naughty Christmas Party and whatever. And he <laughs> never really knew, like, because I was still doing bars and stuff at the yeah. time and, you know, just one-offs. And he came in and under introduced himself and he's like, Holy shit, there's some good looking girls and good's a good crowd. I'm like, Yeah, man, like nice to meet you and <laughs> and then uh it was funny because like a month before, two months before, I went to go try to get a night at Centrum and I met with Ralph. And I went there with like my buddies and you know, back then we dressed a little weird and different. Yeah. <laughs> and uh we had our like hats on, our our our, our bleach tips and yeah. shit like that. <laughs> and um and Zark came into the room because I was trying to get a, a one-off party there. Okay. And he was in his suit and everything. And he looked at us and Ralph and us were having the meeting. He's like, who the fuck are these guys? Who's this boy band? Trying to <laughs> like, Ralph, we're not working with these guys. And I was like, because I was, I was 19 years old. Yeah. I was a kid. And yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. had a different brand, a different strategy. And you know, Ralph was forward thinking. I was trying to get new talent on. And Zark was the cool guy that just was like, this is who we are. But... He came to my party about three, four months later. He's like, this is sick. And then I ended up doing Century on Thursdays. Dope. That's crazy. As a crazy. promoter for years. Yeah. And it was, it was a good night. And then I ended up partnering with them at Everly. Yep. Yeah. So it came full circle to being like, you know, who the who's fuck this, are you yeah, Who's guys? this asshole yeah. with the pontiffs? Who, 10 years later, being like, partner up with us and throw part of, like, be That's part crazy. of business. So I love to see it. It's though. fun, man. Yeah. Okay, listen. We're the MBH podcast. Money buys happiness. What do you think of the term? Money buys happiness. Um, I, I have to agree because, nice. because All right, cut every, it. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> no, because anyone, listen, anyone who tells you money doesn't buy happiness is talking shit. Yeah. You know, and there's happiness comes in different shapes and sizes. And, you know, you can do something with money that, you know, is, is, is a positive thing or just something for yourself that makes you feel good. Um, you can go buy your mom a car if you have yeah, money yeah. and, you know, see her smile. And I'm sure if we all bought our mom a car, we'd fucking oh, yeah. feel amazing. And that is happiness. Yeah. Um, or we can do something for ourselves that just makes us happy, like travel. Um, 
I'm not a type of guy to hoard cash and be like, oh, I'm going to save all this money and do this. Like what I've learned is, like I said before, is that, you know, I have a passion for what I do and I love what I do. And that's the only reason I do it. I don't just do it for money. But when the money's there, I get to enjoy the things that I love in life, which is traveling and eating and and and, and having different experiences. So yeah. the reason why I say money does buy happiness um, is because if you use that money in the right way for the right reasons and right things, you can find ways it can make you happy. Not to say that's the only way to be happy because I have friends and family that have no money that are extremely happy people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and money does, is not the only reason why people are happy in life. You know, family's number one. And, um, you know, just living, man, we're, we're alive. We're here for a very short time, guys. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's fucked, but <laughs> every day, every day is, is, is sick. Yeah. yeah. For me, that's how I live. That's like, dope. Yeah, it's because you, awesome. you enjoy the way you make money. I right? enjoy make, 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 uh, the way I make money, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, not because I'm lucky, it's because I'm happy. Yeah. And I, there's moments where I'm like, fuck, I hate life. This is hard. Or there's a lot of hours or I'm tired. But at the end of the day, like, there's someone in a hospital bed right now begging to be us. Yeah. yeah. True. That's true. You know? True. And so fuck, fuck my stupid fucking issues. Fuck my whatever problems yeah. that you might have in your head for a couple seconds and mental health and all this shit. Be thankful, man. True. Be thankful and be happy that you were alive and, and these moments don't last forever and battle through it. Mm-hmm. You will always have, you know, times where you're sad or upset and you're always going to have times where you're high. Peaks and valleys of life. Yeah. Get over it. That's yeah. what it is. It's life. <laughs> yeah. Stay we, strong. We like that. No no victim mentality here, bro. It's no. uh, gratitude, though. I agree with you. Gratitude is a big piece and I think people forget that. Um, just to, like, like there, there was a saying, I watched this guy talking about this saying where he goes, um, if I gave you $10 million today, but you didn't wake up tomorrow, would you take the 10 mil? And of course the guy goes, no, I would never do that. He goes, okay, so you're valuing like waking up the next morning. At 10 million. Yeah, more, at more than 10 million. So it's like to understand that gratitude, just waking up is worth so much money. Then it's like what you do with that 24 hours. That's even more important. Exactly, right? man. So I think Damn, people bro. forget that. No, it's true. I just watched it. You know, fucking TikTok and <laughs> it shit. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like fa- for me, families. Number one, huge family yeah. makes you happy. And, yeah. you know, I have family in Greece with nothing like, yeah. you know, and they have each other and they're 10 times happier yeah, than it's I true, am. It's true. You know, it's the Europe way, bro. Yeah. yeah. And then it's the culture there. My wife's from Colombia. Same thing. Like they yeah, just yeah. sit there and they just, they can just chill out, chill yeah. out. And they, they're not on their phones. Like we are yeah. They're just speaking. They're just talking for hours and they're yeah. just enjoying their time. And, and that's just life, man. You, you quickly, you, I know you work a lot with family. You actually, you actually earlier said it was kind of a good thing. Although a lot of people would probably think that could potentially be a bad thing. How do you take it? How is it for you? People might think it's a bad thing because, you know, you're going to argue with family and stuff like that. I obviously get into arguments with my family here and there, but then the day we love each other. Yeah. And I know people don't see their mom or dad for like four or five months at a time. Like that's crazy. I get to see my mom, my dad, my sister every day, mm-hmm. every day. I mm-hmm. wouldn't have it any other way, man. I yeah. wouldn't know what it felt like yeah. to not be around my family every day. And like at the end of the day, we're very, very tight knit. We're European. So, I mean, I'm not to say different cultures are different, but you know, European culture, they're very, very close with each other and they're very trusting. And um, we have a good bond and we trust each other that we have a common goal for our family to, 
just um, work hard together and then hopefully we get to enjoy some of the fruits of life um, as a group together always. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good perspective, dude. I, re yeah. I respect it. I, I know Europeans. It's, that's it's what funny said. though because most people say don't do business with family. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I can imagine it's sometimes it gets tough but then I also like to think who's going to look out for you more than your family? Yeah. Who's going to give you the <clears throat> truth more than your family? If you're fucking up, like maybe maybe your business partner or one of your employees is not going to tell you the same way your family would be like Matty, you're you're a fucking idiot you know what i mean you're acting like an idiot or whatever like for sure man you'll you'll, you'll no get one's the, gonna give it to you straight yeah the only thing i hate about working with my family <laughs> which sucks is that there's like every single like dinner lunch christmas easter just all we talk about is work work yeah, yeah true. i'm just like fuck yeah, i just yeah. need a break but <laughs> yeah it's, it's part of it yeah it's part of it yeah yeah no fair man listen it's been an absolute pleasure man we appreciate you coming on and giving us all that uh all that juicy stuff and a lot of people will listen to this and uh you know be inspired or take a lot from it yeah. uh, um you know you're doing a lot of impressive shit in the city uh clearly with uh no um no end in sight which is a great it's a everything great thing. You touch turns to gold bro yeah dude so <laughs> that's what's happening right now that's what we know but no it's impressive man and, yeah. and it's cool and i and, and i can appreciate the fact that you're not looking outside of toronto you're, you're you want to keep building here that's cool that's good for our city that's good for guys like us and what we do um it's very respectable a lot yeah. of people like you said um the goal is always to like get big here and leave new york la whatever so the fact that you want us to hear is it's uh kudos to you because it's all hope bro yeah <laughs> yeah no seriously it does it does i think a lot of people um for various different reasons um we're kind of scared of the trajectory of our city but to, to hear it coming from you uh, a guy with so much success in the city that you plan on staying here and continue to build here that's straight up it actually brings a lot of hope and i'm sure a lot of people will listen to this and and uh, be happy you said those words yeah so this is the best one of the best cities to live in man yeah it's a great city to leave and go on vacation and visit somewhere else but it's always on the plane back you're like fuck Toronto's sick yeah, yeah. Look at it's so true you're like oh yeah, I'm back I'm home right? yeah, yeah. it's a good no, place no. to come back to and call home yeah no, no, it's a I great agree. place to like leave because it gets cold or whatever reasons but yeah. that flight back home always feels good for some reason no 100%. it's true it's true but yeah man Pre appreciate your time of course and um, hopefully have you back yeah, in the near future man. we got yeah. some new stuff going on I'd love to have you back and hear what's going on but uh, with that being said Dean we're out <laughs>